0: Together, you know, still friends loving each other. I want to welcome you all today. This is an exciting day. We are beginning Vacation Bible School, and the lessons that the children are going to be learning this week, and we have the boys and girls up here today, is they're going to be learning about the life of Peter. And I really like Peter, and I want to talk about Peter today because I think all of us can, we can relate to this. the theme is called the game plan, but it revolves around Peter getting in the game, and then how the Lord had to coach him and develop him so that he became a significant player in the Christian experience. And the the cool thing is, is when you think about it, our mission, like we say it over and over again, but you got to keep being reminded this, is, is we're advancing the gospel, right? We are telling people how to become a Christian, how to become a forgiven follower. And then we're making disciples, right? We're helping people to become like Jesus who then make disciples. And you couldn't have a better example of a live illustration of that than Peter because here's a guy who was kinda lost, but Jesus found him, called him to himself, and made him a disciple. He became a forgiven follower and then walked with Jesus for three years and that's where it's kinda like, whoa, he had he, he fumbled a lot or um, he ran the wrong way or hey, he had a couple glorious touchdowns. But by the end of his three and a half years experience, he was the one that Jesus really said, upon this rock, it's going to be upon you, Peter, that the, the gospel message and the church is going to be built. So this morning, we're going to learn some lessons from the life of Peter. And boys and girls, you can follow along because these are some of the things that, that you and I can learn as well. Now, At the end, though, I I promised I'll do this. I only do this once a year for Vacation Bible School. But at the end, boys and girls, if you pay attention well, uh, your parents have to decide whether you did well enough, I'm going to invite you to come up on the field at the end, and I'm going to tell you a brief story. Remember righty and lefty, the shoes? We're going to get uh, part two of righty and lefty, but only if you're good. So when we're right near the end, you have to look at mom and dad and go, was I good? And then they'll decide whether you can go up, so hang in there. All right, so this morning, I want to start with an illustration. We all use an expression, a diamond in the rough. Now, that illustration is because if you've ever seen a diamond, diamonds are pretty. They're shiny and sparkly, and if you turn them in the light, they have all different colors that shine out of them, and ladies like to have them, and guys don't like to spend a lot of money on them, and so we have... One called zirconium that we use with the kids. (laughs) (coughs) But the point is, diamonds don't look that way when they find them. When they're mined, they're just a rock. And what makes them beautiful is though they're so rough, jewelers don't see them for what they are. They see them for what they can become. And through a series of cuts, eventually they become this beautiful diamond in a rough. And that's exactly what happened with Peter, and it's exactly what Jesus wants to do with you and me, because the first time Jesus met Peter, he did something pretty insane. Now, how would you like this? If you said, hey, my name's Tom. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Jesus, right? Usually, you exchange names with someone, then you know the the drill. Five minutes later, you're like, what was your name again? Because we're all thinking about what we're going to say, not what they were going to say. The first time Jesus met Peter, Andrew brings him along. He says... Pete, I found the Messiah. This is him. It's Jesus. And Jesus goes, pleased to meet you. I like your name, Simon. He goes, but that's not going to be your name anymore. I'm going to change your name. Now, if you do that in Philly, people would be like, you're talking to me? My name, Nicky, a good name. Why are you going to change it? Right? Because Jesus said, I'm not going to call you Simon. I'm going to call you Cephas, which in Greek is Petros, which means rock. Now, I guess the good thing about that is like, what guy wouldn't want to be called Rock? Yo, how you doing? I'm Rock. What's up? You know, Because if he was like, Flower, I'm going to call you Flower. I'd be like, no, I'm good. I like Simon. Right? So Jesus, see, but, but what Jesus is showing us right from the beginning is, I don't see you for who you are. I see you for who you can become if I get a hold of you. Right? And that's true for everybody here. We, you know, we look at ourselves, and we might already think we're a rock, or we might already think we're a mess, right? But that's really cool, because Jesus doesn't look at you the way you look at you. He can see way down the field, all the way into the end zone, and he says, this is who you're going to become, and that's the process of discipleship. Now, we don't have enough time to talk about everything in the life of Peter, but this morning, I want to talk about four lessons that Peter learned from Jesus, and boys and girls, these are lessons that you and I have to learn, moms and dads, same stuff, right? The first lesson in discipleship, and it's not in any order, but it's a big lesson, is we've got to learn mouth lessons, all right? Mouth lessons. So let's pray, and then we're going to talk about this. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word, and I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit is going to help us to learn things that will really help us to be like Jesus because of what we learned from Peter. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Most of us would agree that Peter was pretty outspoken. Peter was not a shy fella. He, he didn't have a big filter. He was not a wallflower. When Peter was in the room, everyone knew it, okay? Now, here's an interesting observation. Years after Peter m- met Jesus, right, Historians say Peter was born around the same time as Jesus. Years later, when you're reading the book of Acts, there was a little verse that struck me. Peter stood up in Acts 15 in front of a crowd of people, and he goes, Brothers, I want you to listen to something. God made a choice that by my mouth, this is what he said, by my mouth, God would open up a door for the gospel to go to Gentiles, right? Right? Now, that's kind of weird to say that, right? Why not just say, hey, God chose me to give the gospel to Gentiles. He goes, by my mouth, right? And as, that, that struck me because when you think about it, Peter's mouth was that which often got him in trouble, okay? I want to remind you of a couple events in the life of Peter where, where Peter sort of was like, duh, did I just say that? One of them took place in Matthew 16, Jesus kept telling his disciples, "I'm going to die and pay for your sins." And in Matthew 16, this is what it says: Peter took Jesus aside. He was like, "Jesus, can I talk to you for just a minute?" Yeah, yeah. Jesus is like, "What? What? No, 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 no. I, I, come here, Jesus." He says he took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. Now, let me save you, you know, some energy. Never rebuke Jesus, right? Just not a good idea, right? So he rebukes him. He doesn't just say, geez, you know, that, that kind of doesn't sit well with me, the idea of you dying. He rebukes him, right? And so Jesus takes out a little pin, metaphorically, and he puts it on there, and he writes, S-H. And Peter's like, S-8. SH? am I a superhero? And he goes, no, Pete, you're Satan's helper. And he goes, what? And he goes, yeah, get behind me, Satan. Think about how Peter, you're calling me Satan? But Peter's big mouth, right, just said something that absolutely opposed the plan of God, right? Jesus said, here's the problem, Peter. Just like Satan, you're thinking about the things of man, not the things of God, right? So I don't think Peter woke up this morning and Satan said, hey, Peter, I got a plan for you. Want to, you want to do me a favor? He had no idea that he was going to say something so stupid that Jesus is going to have to say, stop helping Satan out." okay? Now, I wonder, I wonder how that felt, like for that to sink in, because the gospel of Mark says this, he took Jesus aside and rebuked him, and then it says, and Jesus turned and rebuked Peter, right? And usually that's where it ends, like you don't have like a third one, and then you don't re-rebuke Jesus, so, so what we can learn there from Peter's mouth is sometimes you have to really think before you say something, because do you know what it feels like to be wrong? You know what? We usually don't know what it feels like to be wrong, right? Because when we're saying stuff, we think we're right, okay? It's really embarrassing when we realize that thinking we're right, we just said something totally wrong that's when you finally realize, wow, I just said something really stupid. So all of us, moms and dads, boys and girls, the Bible says, let us be quick to hear, slow to speak, and, and, and slow to anger. So the first mouth lesson is, that Peter had to learn is, don't too quickly just throw in your two cents, because you might be Satan's helper. You as a Christian might say something that's gonna hurt God's plan or hurt another Christian. It wasn't the only time Jesus had to kind of work with Peter's mouth. Here was another one. One day, Jesus said, hey, guys, I'm leaving, and you can't come with me. John chapter 13. Peter says, ad lib a bit. Jesus, let's talk about this. I've been with you for three and a half years. I left my wife to follow you. I left my family. You know, I haven't been out of your sight practically for three years, and now you're leaving me? Pete, yeah, I'm leaving me, and you can't come right now. And he goes, Jesus, listen, I'll go anywhere, even if we have to die. He started singing, lean on me. I got your back, Jesus. You and me, we're good. I'm your boy. And Jesus looks at him, he says, Pete, save your breath, son. He goes, Because before a cock throws, crows three times, I'd like to see a cock throw, that'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? He says, Before a cock crows three times, you're gonna deny me, right? And Peter still didn't get it. He's still like, No, Jesus, we're good, we're good. Jesus takes him out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Hey, I need you to pray with me, man. This is serious business. Satan's pressing me down, my spirit's heavy. Can you pray with me? And Peter's like, I got you. And Jesus wakes him up. He goes, Pete, listen, dude. He goes, are you sleeping? And he goes back, and he comes back again, and he goes, Pete, are you still sleeping? He says, listen, I got to tell you something. Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. Satan's fixing to give you a beatdown like you can't even imagine, and you're sitting here thinking you're going to die with me when, in fact, you're going to deny me. And there's a famous verse, and most of you know that. Do you remember the emotion that Peter experienced when it all clicked that his big mouth got him in trouble again? The third time he denied Jesus, it says, Jesus turned and looked at him, right? And it says, Peter went out in two words. He wept bitterly. So, the mouth lesson that you and I can learn from Peter is even if you've had trouble with your mouth in the past Jesus can take a gutter mouth that's messed up to the guttermost and change it to the othermost so here's the lesson that I want us all to practice Ephesians 4:29 says this don't let any garbage come out of your mouth okay garbage disposals are in sinks garbage dispensers can be mouths right And as a Christian, the Bible says, don't let garbage come out of your mouth. Cursing, criticism, gossip, cruel words, sarcasm. All of us say stuff and we're like, dang. But here's the difference. If you're a disciple of Christ, you don't make excuses for that. You don't go, well, you got to understand. It's not anger. We're just Italians. You know, that's how we settle things. It's like, no. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, an outburst of anger. If you shout, shut up, that's a sin. It's a deed of the flesh, okay? So all of us can learn from Peter. Peter said some stupid stuff, but before we go, what a moron. We all go, wow, like Peter, I need to learn some mouth lessons, And the mouth lesson is this. Here's a guy who wasn't known for having a prominent, self-controlled mouth. But years later, he said, it it pleased God that by my mouth, many people were going to get saved. Now, right now, you might look back on your mouth and say, my mouth has been a garbage dispenser. Right? Maybe you're just a negative person, angry person, critical person. Here's a cool thing. Jesus can change that. You're not trapped to be this garbage dispenser all your life. Ephesians 4.29 ends this way. Don't let garbage come out of your mouth, but only let good words come out of your mouth that edify and build up people. So this morning, as we think about Peter, let's all take away this application. A disciple of Christ is learning how to manage their mouth with the power of the Holy Spirit. David understood this in the Psalms. He said, Lord, would you set a guard over my lips? So let's be praying that we will learn to, to, to say things that build each other up, to encourage our spouses. And I'm not up here saying, oh, if, if you were a fly on my wall, I mean, I have to be honest, my family's here. My mouth, very rarely, but, you know, depends on how you define rarely, but, um, <laughs> you know, occasionally... So so we're all in process, but that that doesn't happen by accident. You pray, Lord, use my mouth. One word could have a significant impact in a person's eternal destiny and certainly in their spiritual condition. You could tear them down or you can build them up. So from Peter, we learn mouth lessons. Secondly, from Peter, we learn prayer and faith lessons. Okay, Peter's a kind of cool guy. Remember the time that Jesus... Took the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee. He took them out in a boat. Now, if, if you study, if, if you read about Sea of Galilee, it's, it's a lake about nine miles long, but it was surrounded by mountains. And if you ever get a chance to go to the Holy Land, it's really cool. But what happens is the wind comes down off of those mountains really quickly. And so it can be like a beautiful day. And in five minutes, you can have a nasty, frightening storm that can sink your ship in no time. And back then, they didn't have the Titanics, right? So it was frequent to get in these nasty storms. That's why they said fishermen back then were pretty courageous because they knew they could go out, red sky, night, sailors, delight. No, it didn't work that way. You could get into a nasty storm at any time. So one time Jesus intentionally sent the disciples into a storm. So he sends them out into a storm, Matthew chapter 14. There's this terrible storm going on and Jesus isn't with them this time. And so Jesus comes walking along on the water. Okay? And that's why we use that phrase. What well, do you think? You can walk on water? Matter of fact, when Jesus was on the high school swim team, he got kicked off. It just wasn't fair. You know, I mean, he he'd just run across, he just dry his feet. Okay, I won. No. Um so so what happened was Peter sees Jesus and, and they're terrified. They're like, it's a ghost. We're all gonna die. And Jesus goes, chill out. He goes, It's me. Don't be afraid. Now Nobody else said anything. They're all like, uh, uh, uh. and Peter goes, all right, if it's really you, Jesus, let me walk on that water. And Jesus goes, come on. So Peter's like, gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water. Now, I'd never done that. You've never done that, and he was doing that, right? But this is what it said. But when he saw the storm he looked at the storm, and he began to sink. And it makes a big deal. He no longer was looking at Jesus. He was looking at the storm, and he began to sink. Right? Now, God put that there for all of us. It's a very simple faith lesson. If you look at your circumstances and take your eyes off Jesus, you're going to sink. Okay? But there's a good, good ending to that, right? He didn't drown. And this is what you do when you start to sink. It's very profound. You go, Jesus, help me. And remember, Jesus lifted him back up out of the water. So here's the faith lesson, and there's two of them. One is, when tough stuff is going on in your life, don't look at the storm. Don't look at your marriage. Don't look at your kids. Don't look at your job. Don't look at your health. Don't look at circumstances. Don't watch the news and say, we're all going to die. The world's going mad. Our country's going to be destroyed. Look at Jesus. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus and then run the race. But faith is something that's developed over time, okay? So it's kind of cool when you think about Peter, because he didn't have a whole lot of faith at first. But faith is like a muscle. You know, you go out and you train and you practice and it grows. So Jesus was constantly building Peter's faith. And he wants to do that with you. So that when the storms come, you don't go, we're all going to die. You start going, wait a minute, Jesus got me out of the last one. So one time Jesus did something really funny. This is in Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus got up one morning, and you know when you get up in the morning, you got to have your coffee, you know, some of you are kind of cranky when you don't have your coffee, you know, leave me alone. Some of you wake up, my wife wakes up so cheerful, drives me crazy, you know. She's like, hey, this is, because her mom used to sing to her. I try to show her in the Proverbs, it says, if you greet your friend with a loud voice in the morning, it will be counted a curse. I'm like, just dial it back a little bit. You know, we'll be on vacation. I ask my kids, it'd be like six o'clock in the morning. What do you guys want to do today? And we're like, sleep, we're on vacation. <laughs> Mark chapter 11, Jesus gets up and it says, it's in the morning and it says, and he sees a fig tree and he desires to go get something to eat. So he walks over to the fig tree and there's no ripe figs on it. Now, first of all, it was not fig season. Jesus knows figology you, don't, you, you can't get figs, you know, but, but, but it would be similar to this. What's your favorite cereal? Honey bunches of oats? You know the drill, right? Either you go and you pour some and the milk is gone. You remember that? And you know who used it. Or your brother put the empty box back and you were all excited. So Jesus gets to the fig tree and he says, there's no figs on it. Cursed are you, fig tree. You'll never, ever have figs again. And I'm like, man, I thought I was cranky when I didn't have my coffee, right? So you go, why would Jesus do that? The next day, Mark chapter 11 says, the next day they're walking by. And Peter goes, Jesus, look at that tree. That's the tree you cursed. Look what happened to it. It dried up. Its roots are all dead. You killed it. And Jesus said this. He goes, you know something, Peter? And if you have faith in God, you can ask God for whatever you ask. And believing, you will receive it in prayer. See, Jesus did that whole thing as a life lesson to teach Peter about faith. And you know what? Peter learned that. And you know how I know he learned how to pray? Because read the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. They're gathered for prayer. Acts chapter 3. Peter and James went up during the third hour for the hour of prayer. See, Peter learned how to pray in faith. And that's something you and I, as disciples of Christ, we're constantly learning. So let me just ask you, how are you doing with your prayer and faith? Right? Are you learning that when you... And boys and girls, you can do this. You lose your school book or your favorite toy or something's going on in your life. You can pray. You can bow your head and say, Jesus could you help us? Could you help us find this? Or Jesus, could you help daddy to stop drinking? Or could, could, could you help mommy and daddy to stop fighting? You can pray. You can say, Jesus, could you, could you help us to find our dog that got lost? There's nothing that's impossible with God. And you and I need to be reminded that when you pray, Jesus said, you need to believe. There's only so much oxygen on this planet And when you pray and you don't believe, James chapter one says this, if you don't ask God in faith when you pray, you will receive nothing from the Lord. And so from the life of Peter, we learn that prayer can make a big difference, but you need to believe. And when bad things are coming, keep praying. Which by the way, my daughter asked for this prayer request. She's due Tuesday last Tuesday. She had a C-section, her first baby, so they normally don't like to induce. So there's only going to be a certain amount of time before they come and say, we got to take the baby. So she just asked, would you be praying for her that she could have this baby naturally? God willing. But those of you who are in the throes of that, or you remember those long days, but let's pray believing. God, be merciful. I told you the story of all the prayers for our son, all the prayers for our daughter. God answers prayer, and so we learn from Peter, prayers of believing, prayers of faith, and keeping our eyes on Jesus in the storm. Two more lessons. Peter needs to learn lessons about service and soul winning, okay? So when you sign up to follow Jesus and you become a forgiven follower, you start to learn something about yourself, and that is that my favorite person is me, right? Right? And that what's normal is to think about me, do things for me, want everybody else to do things for me. And it doesn't dawn on us that being a Christian is about helping other people, right? So Jesus spent a lot of time trying to teach his disciples that being a disciple means that you serve other people. So boys and girls, things like this, instead of going, get me some tea, somebody get me a drink, somebody else clean up. You just start learning how to serve. You start saying, "Hey, can I take the trash out?" Now, be ready to call 911 because your mom and dad are going to pass out. But you know, just put that smelling salts, and they'll come to. But, but, but for children to learn how to think of others more than themselves is incredible, right? And we, go, we laugh at kids. You go, you look cute in that little dress. And they go, <laughs> I know. And you go, they said, I know, right? We're just more clever sinners. We're just as selfish and proud as them. We just learn not to say, I know. So Jesus spent three and a half years teaching these disciples that, hey, Pete, it's not about you. I want you to serve other people. And so the whole experience, Jesus. They come to Jesus, they say, Jesus, will you send these people away? It's late at night, they've been here for three days, tell them to go home. There's no food here, tell them to get something to eat. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. Me? I'm tired, it's been three days. No, you give them something to eat. But then the big one, the big life lesson of service was this. The night before Jesus died, you remember this in John 13. Jesus goes into this upper room where they're going to have their dinner, right? And normally back then, because you wore sandals, your feet were dirty. And mom and dad always tell you, don't put your dirty feet on the couch, right? So they have their dirty feet. And back then, they had bowls of water and a basin and they would, or, or pitcher water, and they would pour it on their feet and get all the dust off because it's just rude to have dirty feet and walk around. But normally, the person who did that was the servant, Right? Now, I'm glad I wasn't a servant back then because I wouldn't want to wash people's feet. That's dirty. Matter of fact, we were at some friends last night and they had this cheese, right? And two, three people said, ew, that cheese smells like dirty feet, right? So imagine washing people's dirty feet. So Jesus, the night that he's going to die, he goes into the upper room and he gets up and he picks up the basin of water and he says, all right, guys, I'm going to wash your feet. Right. And again, because Peter's mouth is always running, the other guys are just like, well, that doesn't make sense. He's the Lord. He's not supposed to wash our feet here. But nobody says anything. But Peter, he goes, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, hey, Pete, let me just teach you something. Number one, what I'm doing, you don't understand now. You'll understand later. By the way, mark that one down. It'll help you a lot in life. I find that to be very helpful." A lot of times when Jesus jerks you around does something you don't like, just remember what he said to Peter. What I'm doing, you don't understand now, but you'll understand later, okay? It's not like Jesus is our little genie that's, well, here's why I'm doing it. I know you don't understand, but here's why I'm doing it. I got to learn to trust him. He knows better than me. But this is what he said to Peter. He said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you're not my boy anymore. You can't be any part with me. And Peter said, fine, I'll wash my whole body. But then Jesus said this to Peter. He said, If I'm your master, and I washed your feet, I gave you an example, and I want you to wash one another's feet. And so from the life of Peter, as Christians, you and I have to be reminded of this. When we're part of a church community, it's not about us. God called us to love one another and to serve one another. Same thing with marriage. Don't come to me and say, I'm not in love anymore. Because I'm going to say to you, That's not what you signed up for. When you became a Christian and when you got married, you didn't say, I solemnly swear to be in love anymore. You said, I solemnly swear that I'm going to love this person. Sickness, health, good times, bad times. And that's what learning to love is. It's learning to serve people even when you don't feel like it, even when they don't deserve it, even when they're not grateful. And so Jesus teaches us through Peter That the mark of a Christian is, number one, we learn to serve other Christians. That's really important. Let me tell you something. Jesus cares about other Christians. He doesn't care if you get up and sing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because you know what he means by that? You want to seek my interest? Then take care of my servants. Wash my servants' feet. And there's not a whole lot of Christians that care about other Christians. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he goes, I don't have anybody else who cares about their interests like Timothy. He goes, the other Christians, all they care about is their own interests, their own portfolio, their own job, their own family, their own stuff. And Jesus is constantly teaching us, if you're going to be a follower of mine, learn how to care for my people. And if you don't think that's important, remember at the end of his life, he says, Pete, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. He said, well, don't get up and sing about me. He says, feed my sheep. Work, vacation, Bible school. Get involved in church. Help people who are Christians to grow. But there's one other thing about service. He didn't just say serve Christians. He said, Pete, I want you to be a soul winner. Soul winner? What do you mean? He said, Pete, you you know how to fish for fish? You're a fisherman. And he goes, yeah, I know how to do that. He goes, fine. Why do you do that? Because that's how I provide for myself. And one night they went fishing. And they didn't catch anything. And Jesus goes, throw the net out once more time. And in Peter's mind, he's going, geez, I mean, you know a lot, but dude, I know fishing. Which part of this didn't you understand? I fished all night. We tried everything, Pete, or Jesus. They're not here. The fish are not around right now. Nevertheless, just to prove my point, throws a net in. And he freaks out because the net is full of fish. We got more fish, the boat's going to sink. And he's so upset, he falls down to his knees. He says, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, Pete, listen. From now on, you're going to fish for men. I think there was two things he was teaching them. Number one, if you're going to take time to fish for men, then you're going to have less time to do fishing for yourself. And if you fish less for yourself then you're not going to accumulate as much stuff for yourself. But what did just Jesus just teach him? You don't have to worry about accumulating stuff for yourself. I got that. I just showed you one cast of the net and you'll have more fish than you can imagine. So Pete, you seek first my kingdom. You start making soul winning important. And listen, God's not asking you to get up on a street corner and preach to everybody, but every Christian is called to win people to Christ, by prayer, by giving, by relationships, please, there are no exceptions here. Do not tell me, oh, I just witnessed by my life, right? You cannot just witness by your life, okay? Now, I'm not intending to make you feel guilty in a bad sense, like, now go get a King James Bible and run down to the train station and witness to everybody. But God wants you to be a fisher of men, just like Peter. He taught Peter how to win people to Christ. And he'll teach you how to do that with all of your quirks. But it'll take time. And here's a cool thing. We're all different. We don't have to all do it Peter's way. But Jesus wants you to be part of winning people to Christ. Follow me and I'll make you a fisherman. Now, some of you, you don't have a clue how to do that. If somebody walked up to you and said, here's a Bible. Could you tell me how to be saved? You couldn't beat your way out of a paper bag. And we understand that. And we'll teach you how to share the gospel. But if two or three years from now you're still going, I don't know how to teach people about Jesus, shame on you. Because you're in a local church where we're training you to be a disciple, to make disciples. So please, learn from Peter. I'm learning. Jesus wants us to serve Christians and win souls, okay, we're all in this together, and if you're not doing that, then that's an area, don't say, oh, I'm not old enough for that, you young people, you could be talking to your friends at school, there's a girl here who's a Christian, now her grandmom's a Christian, because someone invited her to the Sparkies, and her older sister started coming to Sparkies, and then her grandmom, and her mom, so, so even you children, you could invite your friends to Sunday school or church. And if your mom and dad say, oh, I don't want them to come. They'll get the car dirty. You just say, mom, what's a millstone again? Remind me what they use them for. OK? Last one. And this is a really cool one. Failure lessons. I'm glad to know that I'm not the only screw up. Aren't you? Right. You're glad, no, I'm not the only screw-up. I'm, I'm talking about you, I don't, not me. You know I'm a screw-up, right? But listen, failure lessons. Peter's the consummate failure, right? I mean, you talk about dropping the ball big time. Even when Jesus like, gives him a chance, he's like, Pete, I'm telling you. And he's like, ah, yeah, I got you, Jesus. So imagine the enormous guilt and shame that Peter felt when to a little tiny girl he goes, I don't even know the guy, and he starts cursing. And Jesus looks over at him and Peter runs out and weeps bitterly. Okay, Now, that was on a Friday. I don't know what went through Peter's mind on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday morning. But I can imagine that he wasn't far from thinking what Jesus was thinking. I need to hang myself because Jesus is Done with me. Jesus probably hates me. Jesus probably, if, if I couldn't even look the guy in the eye, right? And it's really interesting because I don't know if you ever picked this up, but in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus rose from the dead, this is what it says in Mark 16:8. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Jesus is risen. You go. That doesn't make sense. He is one of the disciples. But God told the angel, this is the message. Don't just say, go tell the disciples. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter. You know why? Because Jesus loves failures. And some of you go, man, Pastor Tom, we had a baby before we were married. Or, you know, I did, you don't even, Pastor, if I told you what I did, Jesus is done with me. I'm on the shelf and you're just riding along, looking in the rearview mirror at your failures and thinking, God can't use you anymore. If people knew what you were like, if they knew the thoughts that you had, if they knew how disgusting you were, they would be done with you. Can I share something with you? You're not alone. The Bible says our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. And if we poke along and deep enough, we all got stuff in our lives from our past of which we're really ashamed. But learn from Peter, right? Peter didn't seek Jesus out. Jesus sought Peter out. He found Peter. And here's some really cool things. Boys and girls, maybe you've done some stuff that you're ashamed of. Why did I do that? Jesus is faithful. He cannot deny himself. Jesus said to Peter, he goes, Peter, I know you're going to fail me, but I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And then he said this, so when you're turned back, you, want, you go and strengthen my brethren. So all of you who are struggling with failure and condemnation, and why can't I get this together? Why am I divorced? Why did I mess up my life? Jesus has some good news for you. He wants to restore you and bless you and use you. Peter, the failure, became Peter, the pillar in the church. Peter, a man of faith and power. And Jesus can do that in your life. Remember, he sat with with Peter. He said, Peter, three times you denied me, right? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? The real deal was this. Peter, I love you. Jesus, unlike people, will not kick you to the curb. Jesus said, all who come to me, I'll never cast them out. And so this morning, let's all go out of here and say, wow. My past is my past. But he that began a good work in me will perform it until the day of Christ. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And once he calls you back and restores you, he can use you like he can use Peter. So as we go home this morning, we're going to pray this week, Lord, help us to learn these mouth lessons like Peter, to be a better disciple. Help me to learn lessons of prayer and faith. Help me to be learning how to serve other Christians and be a soul winner. And finally, help me to deal with my failures. Now, boys and girls, you did so well. I'm going to ask your moms and dads. Ask them right now, was I good? And if you were good, you come up here and sit on the football field. Come on right up here and have a seat. Quickly, quickly. Hurry. Hurry. We only have a few minutes. Reminds me of Billy Graham. The buses are waiting. Every head bowed and eye closed. The buses will wait for you. Just come down on the field. (laughs) Boys and girls, how many of you remember righty and lefty from last year? Anybody remember righty and lefty? Last year we learned about righty and lefty when they went to the store and they, do you remember they stole some candy and they got in big trouble. Remember righty got bit by a dog because they weren't doing what's right? Well, next year, righty and lefty They got their first job, they worked in a shoe store. How many of you know what a shoe store is? What do they do in shoe stores? What do they do there? They make shoes, they sell shoes, and they fix shoes. In fact, there was a fire in a shoe store recently. Hundreds of souls were lost. (laughs) They're like, I don't get it. (laughs) All right, now listen, real quick. So righty and lefty got this job in a shoe store fixing shoes. And a person who fixes a shoe is called a cobbler. And so they worked for a cobbler. They went all around the cobbler's bench. Remember that, right? (laughs) But righty wasn't doing so well. Lefty learned quick. Righty wasn't doing so well. And so he kept making mistakes. He kept not doing what the boss told him to do. He would say... Don't forget to put the nails away, and, and Righty would forget. And then he would say, hey, Righty, did you take the trash out? And Righty forgot. So guess what Righty started to do? He would lie. Because he was embarrassed. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so he would lie. He would say, yes, huh, I took the trash out. But after a while, Mr. Cobbler noticed that Righty wasn't telling the truth. Did you ever have that happen like when your mom says, "Did you eat one of the cookies?" and you know you did, but you kind of don't want to be you don't want to tell the truth because you're afraid you're going to get punished. So you go, "Mm. I didn't eat a cookie." That's called a lie. And the Bible says in the 10 commandments, "You shall not lie." Did you know moms and dads sometimes lie too? We're all sinners. So the cobbler was a Christian, and he had an idea. He said, well, righty, I think you've been lying. So here's what we're going to do. From now on, righty, when you tell a lie, I want you to take my hammer and my nail, and I want you to go over there and nail right into that wall. Two days later, righty told a lie. And so, he remembered, and he got the hammer, and he went over to the wall. Bang went the nail for the lie about the shoes. And then the next day, he did it again. Bang went the nail for the lie about this. And bang went another. By the end of the week, there were six nails in the wall. Six nails. He told six lies. And the cobbler said, Righty, come over here for a minute could you take those nails out of that wall, please? And so he took the nails out one by one, He pulled it out. But then he looked at the wall, and it had big, ugly holes in it. And the cobbler said, now, I want you to make that wall brand new. Righty didn't know about spackle. And so he said, I can't. It's messed up now. And the cobbler said, That's right. And when we tell lies, our relationship with God is messed up because it makes him sad. And we can't fix it. But Jesus can fix it. He can fix you on the inside if you ask him to forgive you. And right, he said, But how can he forgive me? I was the one that was bad. Jesus wasn't the one that was bad. It was me. I did sins. How can he fix me and forgive me? And guess what the cobbler said. Think about a nail. Can can anybody guess what he said about a nail? Look at that cross. Do you remember what happened with Jesus? What did they do to him? They nailed him to a cross. They they nailed him to a cross. Why? Why? Because the Bible says that when Jesus was on that cross, he was punished for our sins because he loved us. We should have been punished. But Jesus was punished on the cross for our sins. And he loved you so much that he he hung on that cross. And then he died. And all of our sins were paid for. And then three days later, he came back out of the ground and he went back up to heaven. And now he's up there in heaven looking down at you guys right now. And you know what? That night, Righty went home. He said, Mom, he said, do you think Jesus could fix me because I told a lot of lies? And Righty's mom said, yeah. She said, because Jesus died on the cross for you. And he can forgive you for all of your sins. And you can start over. He can save your soul. And guess what? Righty he prayed that night. He said, Jesus, would you please forgive me for my sins? And would you help me to start over? And that's what Jesus wants to do for you, boys and girls. Maybe you don't lie, but maybe you're mean or selfish. Or maybe you're angry. Maybe you don't share. We're all sinners. But Jesus died to forgive us for our sins. We just have to believe and ask him to be our Lord and Savior. And by the way, folk not just for them. Some of you out there are liars. Some of you are hypocrites, thieves. All of us have gone astray. And Jesus went up to that cross to forgive you too. And all he wants you to do is come as a broken sinner and go, I'm messed up. But I believe that you died for me, Jesus. And I want to start fresh. I want to become one of your followers. And I want to invite you to do that this morning. And so would you bow with me? And boys and girls, would you bow with me as we pray? Let's close our eyes and talk to God. If one of you moms or dads or adults or young people, God's spoken to you and you want to give your life to Christ and ask him to heal your heart from your lies or your pride or your selfishness or your unwillingness to live for him, would you just give your heart to Christ today by believing that he died for you? and he wants to forgive you. And then all of us as Christians, let's learn from Peter. Lord, take our mouths and use it to spread the gospel. Strengthen our faith so we pray when we have problems. Help us keep our eyes on you in the storms. Help us not to fail. Thank you that you'll pick us up when we fail. And Lord, we love you. So this week we wanna pray for Vacation Bible School, that these boys and girls, will grow up to love and serve you. And we thank you so much for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Boys and girls, when you go home tonight, if any of you, today, if any of you want to be forgiven by Jesus and you want to ask him to come into your life and forgive you, then you talk to your moms and dads about that when you go home, okay? Let's thank the children this morning. Good job, guys. All right, you're dismissed. Don't forget, be praying for the kids this week. Have a great, great week. God bless you.